Four Finger Discount is brought to you today by Podbean, the podcasting app that not only allows you to record on the go, but also upload from anywhere in the world on your mobile device. The Podbean app makes it simple to get started with podcasting. No expensive equipment required. All you need is an idea and Podbean does the rest. So download the Podbean app now for your Apple or Android device and enjoy the freedom of mobile podcasting. I think they want us to stop. Bet chance. This car's stolen. Stolen? Looks like we got ourselves an old-fashioned car chase. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, proudly brought to you by The Simpsons Quasar. Nobody gets any more Facebook page, nohomers.net, popculture.com.au and Podbean. I am Dando. I am Mitch. Today we're here to review Marge on the Lamb, an episode that I didn't really remember too much about. Well, it had been a really long time since I'd watched this one, so I remember the general principle, obviously the Thelma and Louise parody, but outside of that, I had forgotten a lot of the specifics. I knew it was a parody of Thelma and Louise, but I've never seen it. I've just always... Just, no, neither have I. Just assume. Like, I've seen enough parodies of Thelma and Louise to understand the gist of Thelma and Louise. Yeah. Um, the Naked Gun 33 and a third crams in a little bit of it. Okay. Um, before we do that, though, we were talking off air and I told you I had a story for the podcast. I've actually got a few and I'll save some of them for later on, but there's one that I wanted to get up off the top. Uh, this is like a perfect, you know, Springfield-esque story from your town. And it, it, I was chatting with a friend. We had uh, lost our cricket final over the weekend and I was chatting with one of the other guys on my team and we were just sort of reflecting over finals in the past and he revealed to me that he once lived in a very very small town um, called Mansfield in Victoria and this is going back maybe 30 years now there were only two football teams and those two football teams still played an entire season it might have been a 14 week season or something like that he said that there was one year they beat them in every single game and then lost in the grand final <laughs> Because you can't not get to the grand final. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, what's the point of the season? Practice? Well, yeah, practice, I suppose. You can't just have a, a like a one-week event that's just the grand final, like the wire style where the east side and the west side come and play basketball. Like, you've got to have... You've got to get you've got to get your match fitness up for the granny. But, yeah, so they went... Knockout tournament, just different names. <laughs> they went 14-0 and then lost. <laughs> Reminds me of, like, my indoor cricket team we were the, we finished for some reason every team get to make the finals yep. in the indoor cricket league we finished bottom we somehow made the grand final yeah i think i mentioned it before hit the biggest score in the history of that league yeah and we lost and then lost yeah but <laughs> i thought that's so perfect simpsons because that's exactly what would happen with springfield and shelbyville like say it's baseball or something like that they would just have one team that keeps competing and you have this epic rivalry and they just get crushed and crushed and crushed and crushed and then they pop up and win the last it's like a movie isn't it I said that. I actually started, like, in my head, I was working on Who a treatment. Who can I cast in this? I was like, this could be, like, the next Red Dog. Like, the <laughs> just huge Australian film. You get, uh, I don't even, uh, is Bill Hunter? No, Bill Hunter's dead. We can't have him. Um, most of the iconic Aussies are gone now. Who's but the guy from the castle? Michael Keaton? Michael Sorry, Michael Caine? Caine, yeah. No, Oops. not Michael Caine. No, not Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is Michael. Is it Keaton? Caton. Caton. Yeah. You keep talking. I'll Google it. <laughs> it's, it's like C-A-T. Tell him he's dreaming. Tell him he's dreaming, that, dreaming guy, yeah. that guy. No, um, you definitely get Liam Hemsworth up for this. He'd be the captain. He'd be all over it. He'd be a captain. He loves football. He'd be the captain of the losing footy team. Down on his luck, you know, 
You good. wouldn't have him as the as the bully on the other team. No, 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 no. Not Liam. Liam's too like in the dressmaker. I want him. I want that sort of Liam. Little lovable larrikin. You know, he's down the pub every Friday with his mates, hitting on some skirts <laughs> <laughs> before going to play the big game. Michael Caton's that guy's name. Michael Caton. Thank you. And then he finally knuckles down and then propels them to victory. <laughs> so okay, I get it. So he's like the the useless captain because he's doing no good to the team. Yeah, like he's got a lot of natural talent, but he's not, not quite using it to his full I tell you what, Sam Worthington's the coach. Mm, you wouldn't have him as on the other team? No. Who would be the other team? I who, like the fact that who would Sa- be the, who- Sam Worthington's a gun player that blew his knee out when he was like 19. <laughs> of <course> he is. <laughs> so he's a young coach. <laughs> and he's Chris Hemsworth's brother. And he's living vicariously yes. through Chris Hemsworth. Yes. You've got to get you've got to you come on, you've got the talent. Yes. You can do this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I would watch this movie. <laughs> Let's make it. Let's pitch it to Chris. Okay. Do you have his number? Hang on. When, I said Liam. Wait, what are we doing here? Simpsons podcast. I said Liam, not Chris. We got, what? When did we rope the other Hemsworth into this? Oh, you, I thought you were saying Chris. No, Liam Hemsworth. Oh, I want Chris, man. Well, well, Chris has done the AFL. That's why I'm saying Chris likes football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's the one you'd go for. He could be the opposite. Too, he the, could be the opposite captain. Rival brothers. Liam. Now, now we're mixing Warrior into the thing. We've got Liam. So three brothers. Um, yeah, yeah, so Sam Worthington has somehow become a Hemsworth as well. But So we've got Liam <laughs> and we've got Chris. Maybe... I mean, in the movie, there'd be three brothers. Yeah, in the movie, they're three yeah. brothers. And maybe the father is the... Michael Caton? No, no, well, the father might be the coach of the other team. <laughs> no, nah, I guess that's too cliche then. Okay. But I suppose it is a small town. Well, it is a small town. The town is built... It's like... I tell you what, the border of the town, it's going to be like... We go a little bit quirky. Tim Burton... Mix in some of Tim Burton kookiness into this. The border that separates the... um, What's the word? Like the districts for where the teams can recruit from actually runs right through the middle of their house. And that's why one... Two of the brothers (laughs) are separated into one and the father and the brother are separated into the other. So they have this intense rivalry. It's very similar to Little Giants. I never saw Little Giants. It's got Rick Moranis and the dude from... Ah, yes. But they're brothers. Yeah, right. And it's small town and they're yeah. rival coaches. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of, that mixed with more believable shit. Yeah. Not kids, Pee Wee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd watch it. Yeah. <laughs> we know the ending. But Angus Samson's going to be in there. Yeah. 100% Angus Samson. Or is he just like the drunk guy on the boundary that's nah, got funny one-liners? Flanker. You, you, have him on a, <laughs> flanker. you have him on a half forward flank. And we get the guy from Family Feud as a forward pocket. Grant Daniel. <laughs> sure. <laughs> This umpire. thing writes itself. Let's continue. Marge and the Lamb. People have already tuned out. No, no they haven't. <laughs> there is no way. With the excitement in my voice, I defy anyone to have turned off this. So, Marge and the Lamb. It, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really, really Me enjoyed too. it. Me too. Because the five episodes we've done so far are crackers. They're mm. classics, right? I got to Marge and the Lamb. I thought, oh, it's going to get a bit worse now. Not as good as, as the previous five, but still, it well, held its own. It's in a different mould, and it's got a slightly slower first act, but the second yeah. and third... God, they take off. And this one, more so, um, I don't know if it's more so, but it, it just felt like a condensed movie. Like it it kind of mm. had, you know, everything was going in the same direction. Every every character was going in the same direction. It was really, really well done. And like the nice, you know, they mix in, you'd hardly even call it a subplot, but they, you know, keep coming back to the lighter moments of the kids in huts and that sort of stuff. But it's a it's a beautifully crafted script. I like the that we got to see Marge out of her comfort zone. Yeah. And it's just, whenever you get a main character like that out of their comfort zone, they're always really enjoyable episodes. Yeah, and you get a fresh take on a character that you think you've seen all that you're going to see for. And I thought Homer was written really well in this as well. Because he, 
whilst he didn't want to go to the ballet, still made a genuine effort and he didn't mean to get trapped in two candy machines. No. But it just happened. And at, there's one scene where Marge is on her way home and he's sort of pacing back and forth and you think he's going to yell at her for coming back late. Mm. But no, he's just waiting Worry. to be able to tell her, I, I made the firefighter write a note for me just to yeah. prove his <laughs> innocence, basically. Yeah. So I just thought Homer was really good in something. Mrs. Simpson, while we were saving your <laughs> husband from a tree, a lumber yard burned down. How great was the sub-story with Wigan, by the way? Not the sub-story, well, but like their, their little... What was, they're back the and forth. Their escapades. Yeah, escapades is a, is a good a enough word for it. Car. <laughs> I was thinking that whenever it doesn't happen very often, but whenever Dan gets some time to just spend time in a recording booth with either Hank or Harry, but particularly with Hank, they seem to have some really good back and forth ad lib. Like it just it everything that they say gets elevated to another level because you know that all of the Wiggum and I, well, I, I know that they largely do the table reads and they would record all in one go and the ca- all the characters back and forth. But you know that they would have spent a lot of time in a booth just riffing on in-the-car stuff. Rewriting the script, so to speak. Probably, yeah. Like, and, and it's, it's only a gut feel. I don't know that it was actually ad-lib, but a lot of that just feels like it's come so naturally from them that but, it just takes it to this whole new level. I never realised just how similar Wiggum and Homer actually are. Mm. And how crooked Wiggum is. <laughs> what was his own distillery? <laughs> yeah, 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 moonshine from his own still. He had a line there that was, I swear, has been cut out of television. About really? The, is it the blow-up doll? Oh, yeah, okay. I've never in my life ever seen it before. I think I have. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I I've ne- well, I've, can't remember mm. it anyway. So, bit of trivia. Yes, what please. For this week? Uh, name the coffee shop that Ruth and Marge stop at. Can't tell you. Jittery Joes. Jittery Joes. We could have told you shot kickers. Uh, what was the skeleton's arm holding in the drink machine as Homer was going up for ah. it? Um, I was looking down, so I'm going to guess New Coke. No, a can of Fresca. Fresca. Okay. I'm not sure what Fresca is, but it must be an American drink. What items does Burns have on the floor with him when he's sort of enjoying a little quiet night in? He's got a record player, mm-hmm. some chocolates, and that's all I can think the, of. Yeah, and the, the vinyl. The vinyl. The vinyl, yeah, obviously, yeah. with the record player, yep. What is happening after the ballet? It's on the sign at the front. Ah. So tonight, ballet, tomorrow. Mud wrestling. Close to fix gas leak. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the Simpsons babysitter's rate? $8 an hour. Uh, no, $8. Oh, $8 for the night. Yep. And you get to take two popsicles out of the fridge. <laughs> Three, two. Okay, deal. Deal. <laughs> Still got it. <laughs> that little tie shape <laughs> is the best. Why is Mo phasing out games? Uh, because people don't drink enough when they're playing. Sorry, when they're having fun. People drink less when they're having fun, yeah. Yep. Uh, who was on the cover of Jet magazine? Was it Bleeding Gums? Was. Yeah, yeah, Bleeding Gums Murphy. How long did Hutt's babysit for? As in, in the episode? or At the end, the voiceover says how long you got. $8 for his hours of service. He was glad to get it. Ah, uh, No, 16? 32 hours. 32 hours? <laughs> a long okay. fucking time. That's, that is. <laughs> so that means that they were... It doesn't work out. Because that they were on the lamb for 32 for hours. For the whole day and the following night. Well, surely there would have been a little bit of processing time back in the station. You can't lead an entire state's police force on a chase and then just go straight home. We'll just leave it. Okay. <laughs> What's your last question? No, that was... I've I'm got done. one more. What was Marge's punishment for ruining the antique cans? Uh, she was fined um, 50 cents for each can... And two thousand dollars for punitive, punitive damage. damages, yeah, <laughs> and stre- like stress or whatever. Yes, yeah. mental anguish. Was that whole ending like People's Court or something? Like, uh, I was trying to think of what show they were. It does have it here. Hang on, I'll find it. It says here the closing sequence is a reference to Dragnet. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you know what Dragnet is? Uh, it was a police TV show. Well, George Fenneman recorded the ending in the same fashion as he did on Dragnet. A Dragnet, yep. yes, was a crime television show. Yeah, and I think the Springfield badge, um, now that you've said Dragnet, I, I do have some vague memory of it. A it looks similar. Similar, yeah. similar closing credits. Yeah. I picked up on one little goof, I think. Yep. I'm pretty sure that in some scenes the car has a supercharger and in some scenes it does not. I couldn't tell you. Or, like, I don't know if supercharger is the right word. I don't know cars. But one of the things on the bonnet, like an air intake thing. Yeah. I didn't pay enough I'm attention. sure that I... Probably spo- right, though. I'm sure, like, purely because I saw it halfway through an episode and I went, oh, I don't think I saw that before. Whose car are you on The Ruth? one that Ruth stole. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong, but I just feel like it was. But my I don't la- think it's there when she pulls up. My first. laptop had eight percent battery, and I I wasn't able to risk going back to look again. <laughs> Get the charger, man! I was out. I was at a cafe. Ah, I've, watching The Simpsons I've, at a cafe. I have. I've taken to strolling into a cafe and getting some dinner before coming over here, and then sitting down all business like, and then watching The Simpsons and giggling to myself in the corner. Speaking of, what was your favourite moment? Um, my, <laughs> the brilliant reveal of Wiggum's chase music. Yeah, yeah, great sort of sunshine, like throwback, lollipops, and and just when you think he's about to do the same joke of ah, that's the wrong tape, he starts singing along with it. Yeah, and even Homer sings along with yeah. it. Yeah, it gave me so much joy. <laughs> Mine was, you can't go out tonight. What's tonight? <laughs> just this little thing called Doctor Quinn, medicine, <laughs> medicine woman. <laughs> Oh, I laugh so hard at that. Yeah. <laughs> just just reminds me because Nicola and I, we have Suits Night. When Suits oh, is okay. on, we get it legally and we watch it. Mm-hmm. Do you have do you and Ash have like a show that you watch every week? No, not consistently. Like most of the shows that we go through are back catalogue shows. So Binge we watch. can just sit down and watch a few episodes in a row and then we'll come back to it again mm. whenever we have the time. I, I just laugh. It's the way it's just absolutely just flabbergasted. I, I, you, as a kid, <laughs> it was the practice. Okay. Whenever the practice was on... <laughs> For me, it was Wednesday night. Simpsons. I don't know if this is a good enough story to actually tell. But whenever the practice was on, which I think was a Monday night, I would sit down and watch. You know, I was a big fan of David Kelly's work. Um, then one time I was at my girlfriend's house. And I say, like, you know, 13, 14-year-old, whatever. Like, that style. Girlfriend's house. And I was like, I have, uh, they're like, do you want to stick around and have some dessert or something? I'm like, no, um, I've got to go home. It's nearly 8.30. And that's when the practice starts. They thought that I said... That's when we practice darts. And then we started having like this 15-minute conversation where we were both talking about very different things. <laughs> they, they, they thought we were in some sort of really intense fucking dart competition. <laughs> and I was just explaining in my head about, you know, the many legal cases that Bobby had fought that week. <laughs> were they listening? No. No. <laughs> What was the so that was your show? I think for mm. me it was Wednesday night Simpsons and Monday nights was always South Park's SBS nine thirty. Yeah, okay. But I wasn't allowed to watch it. So yeah, I just sneak over to a friend's house yeah. and watch South Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, going to Josh's to study. Yes. Facts are meaningless. You can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely true. Facts, Max. A couple of facts about the episode before we get into the review. Dan Castellanata actually used a bullhorn, which is like a megaphone, mm-hmm. to record his part when Homer was talking okay. through one. Yep. That's why it sounded legit. The sunset shown when Marge and Ruth are at the cafe was airbrushed in, although the episode was done long before computer animation was put into practice. Okay. Which is kind of unique. The Simpsons did it first. Well, not did it first, but just, you know, innovated. Crystal Buzz Cola is a reference to the fad drink Crystal Pepsi, which apparently didn't do too well. Invisible Cola. Pepsi tried a lot of different things that have never worked. They're succeeding well now, though. Yeah, but it's just with Pepsi. Maybe Pepsi Max. Pepsi Max is their big thing. I, yeah. I, how many people drink Pepsi? I don't think many people drink Pepsi. They like Pepsi Max. 
I think a lot of people drink Pepsi. I think out of the out of the diet drinks, Pepsi Max is king because Diet Coke and Coke Zero is shocking. Yeah, just yeah. If I was shocking. to have a diet, whatever, I'd prefer a Pepsi Max. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. The comedian who performs at the telephone who reminded me of Stuart Lee, just in his delivery. <laughs> okay, just just that slow mm. building to something. Yeah, and only half the crowd understands the joke. Yeah. Yeah, okay, in that in that sense, I'll, I'll grant you what you just said. The comedian who performs at Telethon, who the Simpsons family does not find funny, is a parody of comedian Garrison Keillor. Can't say I'm familiar with the fellow. No, I have no idea who it is either. He might not even be a comedian. And finally, Quimby dancing in the nightclub is a reference to the Kennedys. I did not get that at all. I, I found it on Wikipedia. Yeah, okay. That was lost on me. That whole scene just, I was confused. <laughs> I did really enjoy the sort of, cut to the wide shot of just Quimby really gyrating. Yeah, just raving. But like just for two, it's only like two thrusts that you get. But it was, um, I don't know, something about it just... just but it just made no sense. To no, me. it didn't. But <laughs> but it was still quite fucking joyful to yeah. just see him just really giving him Having some. a good time. <laughs> the original air date was November 4th, 1993. Catch gag was family burst through the wall because the chalk gag wasn't existent. Mm-hmm. Trying to get as much in as they possibly can. Kicks off with the, according to the boring comedian. Uh, doing the public TV telethon. And as I said, he reminded me of Stuart Lee. Didn't remind you much of Stuart Lee? No, I laugh at Stuart Lee. <laughs> so, so there's a fair differentiation there. Well, what were they going for with this then? Well, whoever that guy was, well, I'm gonna I guess. Up, I'm going to look up Garrison Keillor. Okay. I'll let you continue with the show. Um, no, I don't like it when I have to be in charge of things. Um, I, <laughs> I did like, you know, just home as, what the hell is funny? That bit is like Stuart Lee. When I'll be watching him and I'll be laughing and Nash will just kind of be looking at me going that's what I mean when is the funny going to come here <laughs> like what are you talking about it's already here apparently Gary Edward Garrison Keeler is an American author storyteller humorist voice actor and radio personality best known as the creator of the Minnesota public radio show A Prairie Home Companion so I public radio so let's presume that he is the sort of personality that would appear on your public radio public broadcast television that sort of stuff Which, and that's is that why- still existent public television it's not here. Uh, it's dead well, now. 31's gone, isn't it? No, I don't think so. I'm pretty Okay, it's dying. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's hardly a boom industry. Hmm. Drag queens talking about spoons at 11.30 at night. Um, the fish... <laughs> Much <laughs> sure, more entertaining. Surely the fish channel is still there. <laughs> For people outside of the local Channel 31 broadcast range Wake of Geelong, the of the night. <laughs> we legitimately had a television show on public access TV that was just a camera pointed at a fish tank. It was amazing. <laughs> it was all it was for hours. You never knew it was going to come next. No. Fish could eat fish live on television. You never, never did. No. But they could have. could have. It was the allure of what might happen. You're just like, whoa. <laughs> anyway, continue. Well, I just love the fact that um, they're blaming the fact that they might not, that they don't understand what's funny on the television. Yeah. Maybe it's the TV. Be more <laughs> funny. <laughs> I like that McClure was hosting as well and mm. how he was confused when the phone rang. What the hell? Yeah. Is <laughs> <laughs> the Out With Gout 88? Yeah. Yeah. One of his previous telethons. This is the first reveal gag of the episode where Mar- oh, Homer says something along the lines of, who would donate $30? Revealed to be Marge. Yep. She's pledged $30 and they've given her two tickets for the ballet as their way of saying thanks. Mm-hmm. Homer says, he says something about the ballet. Marge says, questions him, do you know the ballet? I love the way he says, Marjorie, please, do I know the ballet? I enjoy all the meats of our cultural stew. <laughs> 
this would be one of my favorite Homer footballs. Yeah. It cuts back to him singing it. Yeah. I do like it whenever we pop into a Homer thought bubble and then it comes out and he's living it out. Yes, he's actually doing it. Obviously, what was the thought bubble? Just a monkey driving around in a car. Big bear in a small car. Big bear. At the circus. My apologies. He thinks the ballet is the circus. Has I was going to ask the quick question: Has um, Nicola ever done that to you, or have you ever done that? Donated something and then just instantly come? Why have I? Why did I just decide to give them my money? I found out that Nicola was donating like sixty dollars a month to Peter McCallum. Sixty a month? Yes, and I was Oof. like, Nicola, I don't mind you donating, but fuck, that's a lot of money. That's a yeah. <sighs> wow, I I got done. No, <laughs> I got done. I say that like I've been fined. You know when people are <laughs> they got me. When people are at the traffic lights collecting change and stuff like Windows that. Windows straight up. Yeah, well, I... Shade down. I can't do that for lifesavers because often they're like 13 or 14 year olds that are like the junior little nippers. And I'm like, ah, oh, you're out here. It's a hot day. I feel like I should give you something. Might only be 20 cents or 30 cents or something like that. Sorry, just re- just hit me shades down. <laughs> the fuck are you driving? <laughs> no, sunglasses. Oh, sunglasses. I, I, I thought you meant like you had curtains. I did the action. Shades down. I thought you had <laughs> curtains. <laughs> anyway, I got done at the same set of lights five times as I was running some errands and every okay. time I just had this face of youth and innocence. I was like, God damn it. I ended up giving like $11.30. I was 30 <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just give like 10 five cent pieces. It sounds like a lot when it goes in but it's nothing. Who has five cent pieces? Make sure you have them next okay. time. So um, wait, wait, wait. So Ruth knocks on the door, and she. This is this was my second favorite moment. Homer, power sandal. My home is immediate. No, <laughs> I love that he's using it as a footrest. Exactly, as it's tearing up the carpet. It makes no sense this scene, but it's just hilarious. Hi, Marge. I was wondering if you had a power sander I could borrow. Homer? Nope. That's one right there. All right, but remember, it's mine. Uh, then we cut to Homer realizing what the ballet is. Marge has explained it to him. Yeah. And much as you can't cancel now, like the time you did those tests. Yeah. I didn't like this, but you explained to me off the air. Or were you doing it at the start of the episode that you did like? I think it was off the air. It was off the air. Yeah. Well, it's, look, I did and I didn't. So, for the same reasons that I bag Family Guy, I, I'm like, oh, look, they've shoehorned a joke in from nowhere here. But what I did like was the, the way they were able to kind of tie it into, they almost did it like a Homer origin story, like with that. You know, this can cause baldness and obesity. Like, yeah, yeah, just give me. And then at the very end of the episode, when they tag it again, because the whole plot hole there is you're like, so what? He had these tests and then he's just, it's never been mentioned again until now. That doesn't make any sense. But then at the end, they're like, Homer was sent to the neurochemical, you know, clinical whatever division of the army. And then it's like, ah, so he got away. And then like for all this time, even the army was like, whatever happened to that guy? (laughs) And then they're like, ah, there he is. Let's get him back. And he's happy to go back. Yeah. Uh, I just the part where he was laying on the ground and giggling and stuff, eh, hmm. just didn't. Do, but I can understand why you like. Could that. have could have cut it just at the fall. So then we cut to uh, Homer at work, and he's walking along with Lenny and Carl, and they invite him out for a beer, but he says he can't because he's going to the ballet. Going to the ballet, and so, like I said, Homer is being genuine here. He hmm. actually is going to make the effort, even though he doesn't want to. But then Lenny, how great is it? Ah, oh, you're going to watch the bear in the little car, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Homer then walks past and sees the invisible collar. And <laughs> amazing here, when he goes to reach in, gets his arm stuck. Just, just a little more. Got it. Ah, I'm stuck. Help me. He's done for. Let's get out of here. Ah! Must get to ballet. Thomas. 
I love it. the the vision of him walking down the hallway with it just dragging behind yeah. him. Makes him look like half man, half vending machine. <laughs> it, does, it does. Then he sees it's like an X man. This this here when he then sees mm, the candy. Candy cut to, the, to phone. the phone call. <laughs> How great is it when it just, yeah. you just cut to home? Stuck. How did he dial? I, who knows? <laughs> it doesn't matter. The visual of him in between two machines. Yeah. <laughs> it's always going to be hard to believe enough stuff between two vending machines. <laughs> and I feel so sorry for Homer because yeah. he's telling the truth. Yeah. But it's just so ridiculous. That you just can't believe you it. You wouldn't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> and Marge doesn't believe it either, but she's like, whatever. So she offers the tickets to Patty and Salma. I <laughs> love their response to not wanting to go to the ballet. Too girly. Yeah. Pff, that's girl stuff. Yeah. Then Ruth drops off the power sander. And this is where they're friendship blossoms I guess mm. you could say she sort of gets the idea I, I guess being a guest well they have enough guest stars that come back I would, off the strength of this episode I would have liked to have seen more Ruth or just in general more of Marge having a friend somewhere it doesn't have to be every episode but just if they could have once a season once every ten episodes just give Marge something to do with somebody even because they become the best of friends at the end of this episode. Hmm. Why are they not friends anymore? Yeah. I was going to ask you this. I forgot Where was Ruth you. when the pretzel business goes astray? Exactly. Hey, where were you then? What do you think of Ruth as a character? Front-running friends. Because um, she wasn't fleshed out like this in the first time we met her. No, she wasn't. Yeah, I, I liked her. She kind I of, thought she was a bad influence, but she had a good heart. She's obviously been yeah, dicked over in the past. Yeah. And she's rebelling against that. Yeah. There's a certain element of kind of 90s version of girl power in her. She, in a way... If anything, was reminding me of someone like Roz from Frasier, just without mm. the kind of inherent sluttiness of Roz. <laughs> oh no, Ruth definitely has sluttiness, to my in my opinion. But she's like swearing off men. Yeah, for some reason, when I was watching though, I'm thinking that she's going out for a night of partying. Well, what was her intention for the night then? Just to go out and. I feel like she would be going out to try and get the attraction of men, but to not give them any satisfaction from that. To tease men. Not necessarily to tease, but to be kind of... She feels like she has lost control, I suppose, of the other sex from a shitty failed marriage. So she's gone out to be all, look at what I am, but fuck off. I don't need you. As funny, by the way, as Hutz was in this, I feel like it was a missed opportunity to bring Laura back for the babysitting. Yeah. Although they've already done yeah, that, but I guess. What, Yeah, where would they go with it that, was, that they hadn't done already? I just feel like they should have included Laura somewhere. Well, Laura was this non-existent. Obviously, we would have had to get mm. the guest star back. Was, well, who was the voice of Ruth? Was she a celebrity? Uh, Terry somebody? She's, uh, Pamela Reed. So, she's the chick from kindergarten. Club. Yeah, right. So, they, would, they got one guest, but I suppose maybe... Was Roseanne Which was on? on Foxtel the other day. Yeah. Foxtel had a 17, 17 Arnold Schwarzenegger movies back-to-back in a marathon. Name 10 of them. Kindergarten Cop. Three Terminators. Four Terminators. Uh, I don't know if they did the all four of them, so I'm not going to skip out on that. But we'll go to Kindergarten Cop, Terminator 1, Terminator 2, Total Recall, Commando, Jingle All the Way, Collateral Damage, Twins, Junior. Predator. Predator. End of days. There's 10. Last I action Presumably, hero. yeah. Now, Kindergarten Cop, just a little bit off track. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Loved it as a kid, but I've made this mistake numerous times. Do I dare watch it again or do I just leave it as a good movie, movie in my mind? Just watch it with a kid's brain. I can do that. Yeah. It's very easy. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> the script is a mess and there's quite a bit wrong with it. But if you just sit down with joy and watch it, like the, same the with, villain is a, 
a menace. Yeah. In that movie. <laughs> same with um, same with twins. Never seen it. What's amazing about twins is Arnold's acting is every like if you were to watch it and be like, oh, this is terrible. Like you could easily go, oh, that's, that's not how you're supposed to act. But he does every scene like he's in an infomercial because he's like an outsider come to America for the first time. So he's a little bit. Not necessarily dense, he's a smart guy, but he's not very streetwise. So, every single thing that happens, he's just got this big joyful grin of experiencing life for the first time. It's fucking hilarious. I'm going to have to watch it. <laughs> Isn't that where... I don't know, what's the one where he's pregnant? That's Junior. That's Junior. Is that a bad movie? Yeah, of course. They're all bad movies. But <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean you don't enjoy them. So, so where were we in the episode? They're out at the ballet. Yeah, yeah. So they've gone out to yeah. the ballet. <laughs> Burns and Smithers, their their little aside up on the balcony. Burns' critique of the ballet, it just far too much dancing, not nearly enough prancing. A little mincing would be nice. I don't get that joke. Uh, no, it's apparently a gay joke. Yeah, mincing. So what is mincing exactly? Um, I don't know if I could describe mincing it, mean like but it was m- certainly like mixing. To- like minced meat isn't meat that's been like mincing. mushed um, together. No, it's kind of. Uh, okay, mincing of a man affectedly dainty in a manner or gait effeminate. I don't have to go through the rest of my life with that mincing voice of yours. I did like too that Ruth made a joke about the guy's junk and Marge laughed along as well. Yeah. Just Marge being a woman. Yeah. <laughs> being a girl. Because it's not... Not since but, the Washington Monument. It's not. Yeah, exactly. It's not <laughs> oh, very Marge, often, grow up. It's not very often we get to see Marge being... Well, even having friends. Mm. It was so weird just seeing her have a friend. And it's sad because you think... Homer, as a character, has, has held her back. Has and he's just take, he's taken it for granted. And he gets to go out and drink whenever he wants. Yeah. And I sort of see a lot of Marge and Homer in my parents. Say, like, 10 years ago, my dad would go out a lot. My mum would always be at home with us. And I kind of felt sad for my mum. How many vending machines did you have to rescue your dad from <laughs> when you were a child? <laughs> my dad would be my hero. <laughs> because someone, if someone can get stuck between... That should be a cosplay. Get two vending oh, machines. that'd be great. Oh, that's my whole Halloween costume for this yeah, year. Yeah, okay, good. I don't know how I'm going to do it. It won't be real vending machines, obviously. Pussy. <laughs> I'm going to have a phone there too. <laughs> so anyway, so they enjoy the ballet. It all goes well. And Ruth says, you know, the night's still young. Marge says, no, we should go home. It's 9.30. It's 9.30. And Ruth laughs at her thinking that she's joking. Yeah, realizes that she's serious. This is where sort of you realize that perhaps Ruth is going to be a bad influence on Marge. Because she is a yeah. bad influence in my opinion. They've got two, they're in two different parts of their life, I guess. They're, they're going in two different directions. Ruth's... It's divorced. Yeah, true. Like Marge, to... Marge has got responsibilities and yeah. Ruth's got none. But then we get come back to Homer and he's imagining being trapped with these machines forever. Yeah. The wedding is the amazing. The wedding is great. <laughs> I don't know how he's Candy doing. and soda for all. And the, I was watching this at work today and the chick goes, how's he doing that? I'm like, it's in his dreams. He can do what he wants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just don't ruin this for me. So then they cut to back to reality and the guy says, I'm sorry, Homer, but I'm going to have to cut your arms off. Homer, this, this is never easy to say. Uh, I'm going to have to saw your arms off. They'll grow back, right? Oh, yeah. Whew. That line reminded me of, um, well, it's pretty much straight from uh, Monty Python, Meaning of Life. Okay. Um, the scene where it's a flashback to, uh, oh, what war was it? Um, oh, it's like the English versus... Somebody. Zulu, the Zulu Wars, I think it was. Um, and there's a guy just... Propped, like the doctor gets asked to go in to chat to a guy who's just propped up in a bed, completely missing a leg from the knee down. Um, and just, you know, rather fine about it. It's just, he's sort of, he's sort of like, hmm, mm, yes, yes. Well, that all seems okay. Should be right as rain in a few days. <laughs> <laughs> no leg. Yeah, no leg. It's like, so the leg will just grow back then, will it? Hmm? 
the leg. It'll just come back. Ah. Oh. I'm afraid I haven't quite been honest with you. <laughs> sits down and explains what's going on. I can't remember that. I've seen the movie. I can't it's brilliant. It. He's trying to pass it off as being a mosquito bite. Yeah. And then, um, but then the whole thing is like, uh, no, it's uh, mosquitoes are very, very small. I'm afraid what what appears to have bitten you is a tiger. <laughs> hmm? A tiger in Africa must have escaped from the zoo. Anyway, I'm let's sorry. watch it. <laughs> you could just quote the whole movie. I, I could. It's such a good movie. Hey, what'd you do with your little uh, pop vinyl that I got you, by the way? Well, that you pay for, that I've got for you. The, the Black Knight? The Black Knight, um, currently sitting in my media room. Is he missing any arms or legs? No, I, I haven't looked. I haven't. Because um, that's disappointing if he's I've not. Kind of, I've, I've put them in a little spot, but I need a shelf, so I haven't really displayed them yet. What other pops did you get? Uh, Tobias, Dr. Tobias Fuquet yes. as a never nude. Um, uh, Jason Bateman's character from Arrested Development. Oh, the dude, uh, Samuel Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson from. Hey for Late. Hey for Late, thank Speaking you. Speaking of. I saw King Kong on the weekend. We'll discuss it oh, later. Oh, yes. Have you seen it? No, I haven't yet, but I want to. The poster looks amazing. It's fucking like, amazing. It's as a, as a as an adult and as someone that's trained, not trained, but as someone who is fairly skeptical of marketing campaigns, I look at that poster and I'm like, I need to go is fucking it the see the sunset one. The one with the helicopter just flying in front and oh, the, the gigantic fucking ape behind it. Oh, okay. The helicopter's the like the yeah. size of its eyeball. You should see the shot of the sun. Sunset, and he's in front of the sunset, the monkey, mm. and the helicopters are flying towards it. It's fucking badass, man. But seriously, that movie, Samuel Jackson is a bad, bad man. Cool. That movie. But anyway, I'll tell you anymore. So, getting back to the episode. Homer, are you just holding on to the can? Your point being? <laughs> <laughs> he was going to let his arms get cut off. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a good shot, too, of... Hearing them laugh from outside, yeah, and he just he just runs away in embarrassment. Yeah, cut to Marge and Ruth having coffee. Yep, she envies Marge. I love it when Marge has lines like this, where she goes, yeah. "I envy you and Homer." Why? Why? <laughs> like she understands that she's in a not a shit relationship, but she could do probably better for herself. Yeah. but yeah, anyway, she still sticks with it. Marge then says, "There's plenty of good men out there," and we get Barney rocking up, asking if he can. Can I throw up in your bathroom? I promise I'll buy something. I promise I'll buy something. And the the shutter from Ruth. So is this where she says she's giving up on men? Pretty much. But is she giving up on men, though, or is she just yeah, taking a break? No, she's she's just... But she's only had one. Wouldn't you swear off men if you had the opportunity? If you were into men, and then you sat back and actually looked at men, who would want men? Could you ever swear off women? No, but women are nice. Men can be nice. No, they can't. You're nice. No, I'm not. <laughs> Homer's then pacing back and forth, and watching this, I thought he was going to yell at Marge for being out so late. Yeah. Where, where have you been kind of thing. I know he does it later in the episode. Yep. Marge arrives and he gives her... Well, he does it later this scene. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. I remember him being annoyed that she so, goes out. I like that we get the Marge, your point being as well. Like, her response is exactly the same um, as Homer's response. It is too. Yeah. Yeah, fuck, I never even picked up on that. Yeah. Nice spot. It was when Ruth is talking about how my husband just used to go out drinking and watch TV. Yeah. Uh, your point being? Yeah, yeah, I did not even pick up on that. Marge then pretty much forgives me straight away, so she's going out tomorrow as well, mm. and now Homer's angry. Yeah, that's twice. Yeah. I think you're spending entirely too much time with this woman. <laughs> and then we get the, the medicine woman. Oh, yeah. It's just it's funny because as a kid, that was my like, one of my mom's favorite shows, <laughs> and I never understood why it was so popular. I've never seen an episode. You can't go out on Saturday. That's our special night. What's so special about it? What the? Oh, I don't know. A little show called Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. So Marge is then getting ready for her second night out, and Homer is just beside himself, mm. isn't he? He doesn't know what to do. He's for so long. <laughs> he wheels the children out in a desperate attempt to oh, kill her after, after this day. Moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
How could you, Marge? <laughs> how could, you, <laughs> so how angry. could you desert your children? <laughs> Rock the cars, bar. <laughs> but just before that, she's getting ready. Home is. Where are you going? Yeah. You come, was it? What time will you be home? Will where you are you going? S- will you bring me something? <laughs> <laughs> was that his way to me of making sure she's going to come back? Um, maybe. I I think it's just I like getting a treat every now and yeah. then. Yeah. Whenever Ash is out, like, and, and not with me, I just something lollipop, donut. I don't care what. Or maybe Marge only ever goes out if she's getting home or something. Maybe. She never goes out just to have fun. Yeah. She's going out to do something for him, usually. But yeah, Homer's just completely beside himself because all these years, I'm sure it's like this in many real life relationships, the man just takes advantage of the woman, Mm. just gets to do what he wants. You know what was included that I kind of liked? And I don't know if I'm reading way too much into this, but like Marge putting her lipstick on, giving Homer a little kiss and then leaving the the lipstick mark on Homer's face. I don't think I'd be the only person that, like, when your wife is going out and or girlfriend or whoever it might be, if they're going out and they look really, really good and you're not going to be there, there's an element of you that's just like, don't want you looking that good. I don't want other people looking at you looking that good. Well, I had a note then. I thought, I'm not going to go into it. But since you brought it up, I will go into it. I've had a couple of moments of Nicola. I'm like, you look really good and I trust you. But I don't trust the people out there. Yeah, like I, like I don't want you to get in a situation where someone's being a dick. Yeah. And this is, like, as I said, this is purely because I don't like men. And we know they'll say, they, they're not going to move on the advances. Like they'll say no, no. Yeah, of course. But guys are just fucking pigs. Yes. Yes, we are. And I, and I even feel like this is some, like I'm crossing a boundary even saying this. Like I'm walking into some sort of Clementine Ford trap that like, well, how dare you say what I can and can't wear when I go out? Like, I'm it's not doing that just, in any way, feel? shape or form, but it's just that thing of like, oh, I don't want other people to see you looking that good. I should be seeing you looking that good. <laughs> I married you. You're mine now. How, has that changed the longer you've been with Ash? See, for me, when I was first starting to date Nicola, I would get jealous more. More, uh, I, no. would get just, I don't get jealous at all now. No, I, I never got jealous, and it's not jealousy that I'm trying to describe. Even, even guys looking at Nicola, I would get jealous when oh, really? I was first dating Nicola. Yeah, no, not I anymore. Never, I never got that. I mean, when your wife does porn, you kind of have to <laughs> just get used to it. I've seen it. It's not bad. <laughs> That's a little test to see if she's listening. Actually, no. You know why I threw that in? We, uh, well, I'll be at, I'll be in Adelaide on Monday. This podcast should go up on Friday, so Monday the 28th of April, I'm going to be in porn? Adelaide. And no, but Ash and I are driving to Adelaide together. We've got like an eight hours worth of trip together. So I've thrown that joke in purely for probably, we'll be at about border town, I think, just on the South Australian side um, when when this joke hits. And uh, hey, bub, please don't hit me. So as you mentioned earlier, uh, Homer is completely upset that he's just trying to make Marge feel guilty for having Hmm. a friend, just being an absolute dick. Ruth rocks up in a really, really nice car. I'll let you elaborate. Well... On the fact that it's stolen, or well, we don't know at this point. No, that's true. But you get the feeling something's not quite like, right. Nice, hmm. like she notices that it's new. Yeah, jumps in, and then we get the you know like you know prepare yourself for a good night type thing. Pops in the cassette. Sunshine. Nice, nothing about nice. That's right. It's, not, it's nothing about nice. You look nice tonight. Has nothing to do with nice. Tonight's all about. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Oh, sorry, Marge, wrong tape. Welcome to the jungle! We got fun and games! We got... (laughs) Am I right in thinking that this is one of the first bits of kind of, what would you call, soundtracky type music on the show? Like actual... Yeah, like they've used scores and musical, like, do-do-do-do-do kind of things in the past. 
but the first time that Spanish flea or whatever. Yeah, but like the first time that an actual proper like radio song has been played as part of the soundtrack. What's the one where Homer lets Lisa drive and she takes over the radio? Ah, uh, do you know the moment I mean? So Lisa's in the passenger seat and Homer's playing something on the radio she doesn't like, and then it cuts to her driving and it's playing music that she yeah. likes. Also, I think in the way we was, Homer was listening to something as well. Okay, so there's a couple, but it was rare, and it it's, just it's it stood out. An to iconic, me. really popular song. Yeah. yeah, I did like too the animation of Marge's eyes. She didn't have to say anything. It was all Mar- it was all Ruth speaking in this mm. moment with the tapes and whatnot. But Marge's eyes are confused when the sunshine and lollipops comes on, and she and it, they pupils move towards Ruth to say what the fuck's going on. And then as soon as Welcome to the du- Jungle comes on. She immediately starts panicking mm. and then speeds off. Yep. Cut to our break. Come back. Homer is just flat out annoyed. He's with the kids. He just cannot believe that Marge has gone out and the kids start making fun of him. I thought it was strange that Lisa was making fun of him as well, but it was yeah. funny. That yeah. I only wrote down two things for this entire scene. And for me, they sum up everything. There's Bart. Blast that infernal card. <laughs> and Don't give the card to Bart. And the... So don't give me the card. Don't give me the card. Here you go. No. And hi, Mr. Simpson. I was just going through your garbage and I couldn't help but notice. You forgot the part where Homer calls his friends. I haven't forgotten. Oh, you didn't write it down? Yeah, it's just that those two things stood out to me. I loved Lenny shaving. Is it his missus? We've never seen her before. Presumably. Or again. Who else's leg would he be shaving? Looked like Patty's leg. But it wasn't. Did, scarily. But yeah, it was just uh, Lenny. We've all done it before. We've lied to a mate saying that... Oh, you know, <laughs> I thought you meant shave our partner's legs. No, no. Well, We've all lied to a mate saying that, you know, we can't do something because we're doing something manly when really yeah. we're just spending time with the missus. Mm. But so he's, he can't go out because he's watching the game and really yeah. he's just shaving his missus' legs. Burns, randomly, just having a good old time with yeah. some chocolate. Oh, sounds delightful. No. You can see why Smithers likes him. If he's pink, behaving like that. A lot of pink in the Burns boudoir. <laughs> and the robe with his <laughs> legs crossed. And then Flanders, how great is it? Just hangs up. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep saying hello though. So Homer decides he's going to go out by himself. He's had enough. And Lisa brings up the fact. I think it's. I think it's the law that you have to have a babysitter. Both federal and state law. Cue Mr. Hutz. Yeah. Just the right place, right time. Mr. Simpson, I was just going through your garbage, and I couldn't help overhearing that you need a babysitter. Of course, being a highly skilled attorney, my fee is $175 an hour. We pay $8 for the night, and you can take two popsicles out of the freezer. Three. Two. Okay, two, and I get to keep this old birdcage. Done. Still got it. It's the tie shake. Still <laughs> got it. <laughs> He's so proud of himself. Oh, we need to go back to, because I've got my notes here, before Hutz, when Lisa says, if what if something happens, Homer's... Haven't you seen Home Alone? If some burglars come, it'll be a very humorous and entertaining situation. The funny part about it is the fact that Homer believes it. Yeah. That's what makes it so great. He believes movies are real. Then it's Ruth and Marge, and they're at, you think it's shit kickers, but it's shot kickers. Yeah. I like the little gag of Willie here. I've never picked up on it until I rewatched it. Why is no one else's chair doing this? (laughs) What is that? And then Marge and Ruth are sitting there, and the two guys walk up and hit on Marge. Yeah. Nicola loved this moment. She thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Hey, baby. Feel like getting lucky? I am lucky. I have a husband and three wonderful children. Thank you very much. Listen, baby. I always get what I want. I said no. Oh, did you? Oh, I completely misunderstood. Please accept our apologies. It's just that the guy, you think he's going to be a real mean person. Oh, did yeah. you? Oh, sorry. I completely misunderstood. Yeah. And for <laughs> you know what messed me up for that whole scene is that it felt to me like... The setting was really similar to a um, a movie, Jodie Foster movie called The Accused. Okay. 
in which yeah, she's accused of something. No, ah. um, <laughs> she is. I don't know if it's a gang, but she, she raped in a bar, like kind of cowboy okay. bar, There's like no that. Yeah. There's that. no yeah. way around it. But like, so that was like my brain was sort of setting wise was thinking back to that. But that then makes the polite retreat that much better. Yeah, same deal. Because, like, you kind of... You start to get a bit squeamish going, oh, shit, what's going to happen here? And they're like, oh, well, my apologies. I've misunderstood. Well, this whole this whole scene, this whole last act, I guess you could say, second, third act, is putting Marge in situations that you think someone like Marge is going to get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. But she just handles it perfectly. Yeah. It's the complete opposite of what you expect going to happen. Yeah. So then Homer then goes to... <laughs> I always get what I want. I said no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I completely misunderstood. <laughs> Homer then goes to a place where everybody knows his name. Yeah. Walks in. No one. No. No, no one, one cares. No one cares. No, no, one lifts, one, no one so much as lifts their head. No one gives a shit. Apparently, this comes directly from Thelma and Louise. Oh, okay. This moment. But obviously, I haven't seen the movie. You yep. said you haven't seen the movie. No. So, apologies to listeners if, you, if we're skipping over Thelma and Louise references. It's because we haven't seen them. I think 75% of our audience are men. Therefore, I don't think at Where'd least... Where you pull that from? Uh, no, I did some analytical stuff. Oh, actually, I have looked at that too. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was actually a pretty sobering number. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, uh-huh. We had one of those moments in this episode, by the way. Oh, yeah. The... the um, Well, we'll get to it, actually, because we haven't seen it yet. Oh, was that the moment the guy was talking about? It's when Hutz is... Wait, is it when Hutz... When, no, no, no. It's when... The, back at the Maybe start. Maybe it was the guy, because he did say star. something... Yeah. Oh, no, that was one of the moments that he could remember, I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Was this the moment he was talking about? This could about? be what he was talking about. Because it was McClure as the yeah. king or something. There we go. We've answered the question. <laughs> Inadvertently. So, continue. You're talking about Thelma and Louise and our audience are men. The, the vast majority of the people listening to this probably haven't seen Thelma and Louise is what I'm getting at. Maybe they've tuned in to find out what the references are. And we can't give it to them. We can't deliver. That's why it's the free show. I apologize. <laughs> anyway, so... Homer's basically just not going to find any fun at Moe's. Moe's not doing darts anymore because people yeah, don't no one, drink as much. People aren't fun. drinking when they're having fun. It's probably true. Yeah. Or do you think it's the other way around? I think you need to encourage... Oh, I could probably go both ways. But, uh, you know... The, if there's a pool table there, I'll probably drink more than if there was The obvious joke there. there is that you're depressed and you're drinking to wash your problems away. If you go there having fun, then you're not sad and you don't need alcohol That's a depressing anymore. bar. Yeah. yeah. Kids are then watching LA Law with Huts and he just hangs shit on the whole thing. <laughs> Look at him. He's wearing a belt. That's Hollywood for you. <laughs> I miss Phil Hartman. He's just so good. Marge and Ruth are then at the Underground Club. And as I said before, this scene was just bizarre. But it's another moment where you think Marge is going to get into trouble. Yeah. And again, it's, it's just continuing the theme of Marge going out for a night that she's never had before. I love pink mohawk punk rock chick. Like, don't you think your hair is a bit much? Yeah. And then just Quimby. <laughs> yeah. Just raving. It's like the Mr. Bean's thrust, isn't it? Similar, yeah. <laughs> Just not the arms as much. Yeah. Homer is then kicked out. This is great. Kicked out of the Quickie Mart. Yeah. This is not a library. <laughs> this is not a Quickie Mart. <laughs> He's got a hot dog. <laughs> it's fucking funny. <laughs> oh, man. He writes this shit. So good. Ruth then pulls out a gun. And this is the moment where you sort of think, ooh, okay. Mm. That's next level. So Marge is really concerned. This. <gasps> You're not going to hunt me for sport, are you? Oh, relax, Marge. I'd never turn a gun on a human being. My husband, on the other hand. Come on, you try it. No, I couldn't. Yeah, just breathe slowly and squeeze the... I hit it! I hit it! My cans! My precious antique cans! Oh, look what you've done to them. But I love the reaction now. Does this remind you... Do you play Big Buck Hunter? 
I've played Big Buck Hunter, yes. The reaction from the old guy. You know the bonus game where you got to shoot the guy's jars? Yeah, yeah, He's like, yeah. don't kill my jar, don't shoot my jars. Yeah, it is similar to that. It's this guy. Yeah. I, just, I, love that, cans. I love that they included this because like, it's such a, that, it's that you know, go-to, you shoot cans or bottles or whatever in a movie or TV show for target practice. The fact that, yeah, those cans belong to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> similar, as we mentioned before, to the Austin Powers where the guy gets killed. You never think of the repercussions. Yeah, 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 yeah. With um, Rob Lowe getting the phone call at his Bucks party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never think of the repercussions of the of the lackeys getting yeah. killed. <laughs> all those stormtroopers, they all have families. Yeah, apart from the cloned ones. The family of the guy who got cloned in the first place. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they all, they were all that family. Yes, they're all one big family. So basically Marge is sort of, she feels invigorated now. She's fired a gun. She's not had the night of her life, but she's mm. just doing things, as you said before, never done and, before. And now Marge isn't ready to go home. True, she isn't, mm. is she? Is it, or is it at this point she's not ready to go home? Yeah. Oh, because they go to she takes yeah, the Springfield she takes up the Springfield time. Ruth is like, "Well, come on, it's twelve. We should go home." It's like, "No, I know a place." And then, as they're leaving, the funny moment. Although she does the flashback, telling us about Homer smashing up the, the weather smashing station. up the weather station, and as they drive off, Homer comes up there as well because he's yeah. just sort of lost and. Well, it's where he goes it, with Marge. This is a nice, yeah. It's a sweet moment that he tries to connect in his mind. All he just doesn't want Marge to be just away from it, him. He thinks of Marge. Yeah, yeah it's so like it, like you were saying. He doesn't. He's jealous, but he also just likes being with her. He's just lost more than jealous, yeah. I think. He's yeah. not used to not having Marge around. Yeah. So he does. He goes to a place where him and Marge used to hang out. But as he said, just can't do it. It's just yeah. not the same without Marge watching him. Yeah. And then this is where Wiggum gets introduced into the episode. Yeah. As Homer's about to beat up the new weather station. Yeah. <laughs> he, well, he wasn't going to beat it up. He decided not to because it's just not the same without Marge. Well, yeah, that's true. And then Wiggum just comes out with his drinking his... What, what was he drinking? Moonshine? Yeah, moonshine. So we've skipped one little thing there um, as oh, the smoke. When, when Marge yeah Marge and Ruth yeah you can say her house geez, there's an awful lot of black smoke coming out of our chimney cut to Lionel Hutz destroying all of his personal papers like, Sanchez. Mr. Hutz why are you burning all of your personal papers Mr. Hutz is no more say hello to Miguel Sanchez I also had in my notes here too that this was the moment where Marge made Ruth appreciate the smaller things yeah you didn't have like to go you've out had... and get drunk to have a good time yeah and that's part of like friendship and bonding. You've had Ruth say, here's some of the stuff that I'm into, and Marge has gone along with it. And then Marge has gone, here's some of the stuff that I'm into, and Ruth went along with that. Yep. So as we said, Wiggum rocks up, and we have the really awkward, I'll play the clip, the awkward blow-up doll yeah. joke. I don't know, just I, to me, just... I like the delivery of it. Ah, just get one of those inflatable women. But make sure it's a woman, though. Because one time I... <laughs> Come on, I'll, uh, I'll give you a ride home. You know, it's nice. What else are you going to say? It's one of those things where like, you start a sentence and your brain goes, shouldn't have said that. And then, then it just I have abandons on you. <laughs> abandons you. And no one says nothing to, to cut the ice. Mm. Like, or to break the ice. It's yeah. just, you're left stranded. Yeah. You've said something awkward. It's like when you're at a party and you start telling a joke or whatever and everyone goes quiet. You're like, mm. I really want to continue this story, but I only want that person to be listening to me. I read a fantastic joke today. Okay, tell Sorry, it. just quick. It's a short one. So, it's, uh, guy goes into a talent agent. He's got a dog with him. And he says, my dog can talk. And he goes, all right, show us. And he says, um, uh, if, what's a good dog name? Murphy. Rex. Rex. Rex, um, what do they put on top of a house? And he goes, roof, roof. And then he says, Rex, what's, uh, what, yeah, how does sandpaper feel? And he says, rough, rough. And then he says, Rex, who is the best baseball player of all time? And he says, Ruth, Ruth. And the talent agent goes, your dog can't talk. He's just barking. You're a nut job like everyone else. Get out of here. And they go out to the front. And then the dog looks at him and says, should I have said Joe DiMaggio? <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling I knew where it was going. And it went there, but it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Homer and Wiggum are driving back from the Springfield sign as are Marge and Ruth, and Wiggum <laughs> notices that one of the tail, the left tail lights, are a little smaller than the right Something one. Something very minor. I uh, better pull them over. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very Wiggum thing to do. Yes. Any minor indiscretion is right on it, but anything that actually r- involves any deal of police work, and he's absolutely flustered and flawed. And Marge says pull over, but Ruth doesn't because she's panicking now. Because it's a stolen car. Yes, we'll be fine. And now. obviously, Ruth in her head, if you're driving a stolen car and you're getting pulled over for minor indiscretion, you're yeah. Care. You're instantly thinking they know it's a stolen car. Yeah. So as you would. she takes off and then and then it's Your favorite just moment. such a great moment of like ah, an old fashioned police chase. Sunshine. And just when you think Wiggum is about to give it the same joke and maybe put in a better Turns it up. Yeah. Turns it up, <laughs> starts singing along, and then Homer joins in. It's just, it's you know, just yeah. an extended <laughs> sing along. Can't resist. He, he has to sing along. He's just delirious. It's so great. So we come back from the commercial and Ruth reveals that she stole her husband's car mm-hmm. and much here. Remember when I said my ex-husband was behind on his child support? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, to even things up, I kind of stole his car. Well, didn't you realize all you had to do was report him to the police? Marge, you're the level-headed friend I never had. So Marge is like the good influence. and she does, Would you say she changes Ruth in this episode? She makes us see the light to an extent, but I think by the end, Ruth is still who she is. Well, Ruth's never a terrible person. She's not a bad, She has a good heart, but yeah, she does. She just goes rogue. Yeah, yeah. She's just she's Ben Cousins. No, she she's good not heart. as bad <laughs> as Ben Cousins. <laughs> Australian reference or international listeners out there have no idea who Ben Cousins is. Google him. Uh, what's the American equivalent athlete-wise? OJ, but Ben Cousins never killed ben somebody. Yeah, yeah. OJ's a fair leap away. M- minor. I don't know. Like who's. I'm sure there'd be someone, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but for American um, listeners in brief, Ben Cousins was a superstar AFL sports person who was just smashing all of the ice that he possibly could. Yes, he won a Brownlow, he won premierships, was at the top of his game doing all of the drugs that he possibly could. Nothing performance enhancing, but just everything recreational. And then, holy shit, when he started to go downhill, did it just all blow up. And since has been arrested for things such as stopping at a drink driving, like pulling up short of a booze bus and running away, trying to break into an army base was my favourite one. <laughs> About a year ago, I think, he tried to climb the fence. Didn't he stop to try to direct traffic at one point? He did, yes, he's done that. And, um, he's for, cur- for no reason, lights are working. Yeah, and he's currently in court again for something. Anyway, so not in a great way at the moment. So, no, Ruth is not Ben Cousins. No. <laughs> So then Wiggum is describing Marge over the radio. Yeah. Homer's original imagining her. <laughs> like an alien. Blue beard. And the, the car going over the bump is what shakes his mind up. Yeah. That's cool. And he realizes it's Marge. That's apparently how Dillinger started. She's going to go, she's going crazy because I didn't take her to the ballet. That's exactly how Dillinger got started. Marge then tries to be the voice of reason again. She's clearly frightened, as she should be. Yeah. She is not comfortable like, at stop. all. Stop. These are professionals that are chasing us. I think if I was in that situation, I would be panicking. Yeah. And then the next little bit is one of those moments that I was referring to of Dan and Hank just being hilarious back and forth with each other. Like, they turn the lights off. It's "It's a ghost car. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) There's lots of ghost cars out in these roads, you know? Hold me. Only if you hold me. I did like Marge's too, the say something reassuring but not committal. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Because obviously she said we should turn ourselves in and that's where they turn off the lights. But as you said, Hank's reaction... (gasps) Yeah. It's a ghost car. <laughs> Slabs his foot on the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a great moment. Ruth and Marge are then at the diner, 
And it's morning by now. They've been going all night. Mm-hmm. In the diner. Uh, well, yeah, so this is where Marge is like, it's time for me to step yeah. out. And Ruth being, like you said, she's a good person. Yeah. She knows Marge doesn't belong here. Yeah. So she's giving her a chance to get out. Yeah. And then Marge goes in to find about four Thelma and Louises. And my second favourite moment of the entire episode. And a, a quote that I had forgotten about for years and years and years that came slamming back to me that I'd remembered for... Like, the first time I ever heard this line, I lost my shit. It was like, I hate it when the waffles stick together. Sticking together is what good waffles do. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. It's so stupid. To to imbibe... Stupid yet true. (laughs) To imbibe so much kind of meaning and passion into waffle batter. (laughs) It's just fucking hilarious. It takes some good writing skills to do that. (laughs) It's like American beauty style, like, I, I see beauty in everything, to be able to write that waffle line. Yeah. Yeah. Then, obviously, for seeing from seeing all that, Marge realises that maybe she wants to be a part of this. She mm. wants to stick it out with Ruth, because Ruth's her only friend at yeah. this point. And, and friends don't abandon each other. Yeah, exactly. So, we hear, start hearing the sirens, and mm. everyone starts bailing. Yeah. This was a great reveal. Yeah. Amazing. Just, I, it got me. Yeah. I was expecting Yeah, I'd forgotten yeah. as well. Everyone races off and Marge appears in the car again, which mm. was nice to see that she you know, wants to be there with Ruth. But it was funny too when she's trying to get a moment to sort of say, I'm here for you, Ruth. You know, it's going to be good. Ruth just says, fuck takes it, I'm off. speeding off. Yep. And takes off with her. And then Kearney with yep. the siren on his head. Yeah. <laughs> He's scaring away all my customers. Is the bre- same time tomorrow. Is he breaking any laws by doing that? I would, probably. Who cares? It was just um, funny. He's certainly a long way from home. <laughs> right, I'm, they've, been dri- they've been driving all night. He must be riding that bike back from Mexico. <laughs> Alrighty, so they've taken off again. Engine block eggs. This is such a man thing. If we can keep these down, we'll be sitting pretty. (laughs) (laughs) That is a real man thing to do, of knowing that what you're about to eat could go one of two ways, but just forging ahead regardless. (laughs) (laughs) What I love too about a barbecue is... Quiet, I can't hear the eggs. If you're at a party and someone's cooking a barbecue, the men just want to have... Hover around. Hang around the meat. You have to be watching the meat cook. Yeah. You're just, just being a part of it. Yeah. Know, but what is it? What is it about men and watching the meat oh, cook? It's something primal. It's the smell? It's it's the smell. It's just the act of preparing and providing and just fucking barbecuing. Yeah. And, but like, it, it, you know, it's that rule that if you're at someone else's house, you don't touch their tongs. I was about to say, don't ever touch or tell them how to cook the meat. No, no. You want to cook the meat, you have them at your house. Yeah. Doesn't matter if they give you a lamb chop that has been seared to hell and back. That's how they cook it. You That's how they it. cook it. You've got to deal with it. Yeah. Because right, I've got one mate who cannot help himself every time we have a barbecue here. He has to try and tell me how to cook a sausage or cook hamburger. Oh. Don't. Even like as, as much as I love food and as meticulous as I will be in a kitchen, I would never do that in someone else's barbecue. No, you don't it's tell- crossing a line. Even cooking in general. Don't tell someone how to cook no. a meal. It's their kitchen. Yeah. I mean, you can request medium rare. Don't get me wrong. If you give them a steak, oh, yeah, yeah. Go, medium rare, please. But you accept whatever the fuck you're giving. <laughs> you don't send it back. No. Have you ever sent back a friend's meal that they've cooked for you? No. Not sent back, but have you ever gone... No, I've... You've mm, never critiqued a friend on their food? I've probably told I them. I reckon you've told them it's shit. I've told them something was shit, but I still would have eaten it. <laughs> How do you say that? Has Ash ever cooked you something that was dog shit, but you ate it anyway? You sort of try and tell it was um, dog shit without being mean? No, I don't think I, I don't think so. And if it was just a friend of mine, I wouldn't have cared about being mean. I'd have just told them. So, As I mentioned before, Dando, I'm not very nice. <laughs> Nicola can cook almost anything really well. I love everything she cooks, except for right, fried rice. 
Mm. So now in England, fried rice isn't a big thing. She'd never cooked fried rice before she came here. She just can't do it right. Okay. But I can never bring it to my, for myself to tell her. Well, you have now. Now you've told thousands. But the last batch she cooked was great. So it gave me an out because I said, oh, that, that fried rice you cooked was awesome. The ones before that weren't so great, but I don't know what you did last time because it was awesome. Yeah, I actually right. completely forgot that I right. shed it, shit all over You know what you need? Rice. A little bit of chicken stock. I know what she did. She probably did. Pro- yeah. She probably, I think she put chicken noodle soup in or something. Throw some chicken stock into that party and then all the ri- that way r- the rice becomes a vessel for flavor. She puts chicken stock in her risotto. It's fucking yeah, epic. Yeah, yeah you got to do that. It's the best. Everyone does that. Yeah, no, but it's just the best. This is, this is how it works. Yeah. Nicholas chicken risotto is the fucking best meal I've ever had in my life. No, it's probably the second best. No, no. It's better than yours. You've had, no, it's not. I've had your risotto. Blinded by love is what's <laughs> going on here. <laughs> your risotto didn't have chicken in it. Yes, it did. I did, a garlic, I, I did a garlic chicken and avocado risotto with cracked pepper. Oh, Nicholas was better. And bacon. Nicholas was I don't eat bacon. So you ruined it for me. Well, I probably... I have to pick the bacon in. I might not have put bacon in yours. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just, just shitting with you, man. So, uh, getting back, where are we up to? So, they're cooking the eggs and Marge and Ruth speed past. Yeah. And it's really time. Quiet, yep. I can't hear the eggs. I love that Hutz is determined to get his $8. He's still yeah. at the house. He's, yeah. He's just sleeping like he wants that 8 bucks. <laughs> just wakes up with... His- Flashes a switchblade. <laughs> Don't touch my stuff. Is it, but maybe it's, he doesn't even just want the eight bucks. He's just committed to this job. Or he just needs a house. He needs a place to stay. He, that he, is like true. He's been sleeping at the YMCA. YMCA. Yeah, that's true. How though? Surely he gets paid. Well, he loses a he lot. blows it on whatever. Cut back to, yeah. So, Wiggum and Homer are now back on the chase and Wiggum's calling in for backup. The other thing, um, yeah, uh, calling in for backup in the pursuit of the rebelling women. Like, there's a lot of kind of gender commentary in the, in the third act of this episode. You know, like, being referred to as rebelling women and Brockman's reaction to, like, how if we allow this to go on, there'll be a rising up of biblical proportions. And Lisa, with that rise up against... Like, I always knew mum would violently rise against the shackles of man or... Oppressing. Yeah, yeah, that's right, the oppression of man. Um, But, like, yeah, so there's a, a lot that I think is handled really, really well. That it's not cringeworthy, it's not... Like it's it's just done very very well. It's a funny commentary on the kind of stereotypical views, um, certainly at the time and probably largely still to this part today. Maybe that's what Thelma Louise the movie does. Oh, yeah, of course. As much as I haven't seen it, I understand that. Like, but does, it's, it, does it have a lot of men taking the sexist approach? Does it? I think so. Yeah. Does it have a news reporter being like that? Oh, maybe that much maybe? I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I, I can't give you specifics. I just know that the the overall the theme, theme of it. The yeah. theme of Thelma and Louise is. Women empowering themselves and driving off a cliff. Could you still make that movie today, or are women empowered enough now? As silly as that sounds, but do, do, is that kind of girl power no longer seen as big of a deal as what it did maybe 20, 30 years no, ago? No, I think it's still pretty important and still pretty vocal and prominent as well. Like, that movie would probably be made differently today, but yeah, it could still be done. So, what comes after that, Mitch? Ruth thinks they're about to cross the state line, basically. Yeah, so like. That's their, that's their out, if they can get across the state line. If they can get across the state line, and then like this. The cavalry come, and there are like 60 cars on the Good horizon Good music cue there. Them. Yeah. Um, so just when she's about to give up, up the yeah. go, then Marge just reefs the steering wheel and pulls it off the road. Sorry, I should have asked first. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a Marge line, yeah. isn't it? But she wanted to help. Yeah. Um, then, sorry, just before that, that's when we get the Brockman thing. Like, it's in Revelations, people! And then cut to the technical difficulties yes. side. But basically, Ruth can't believe that no Marge is just what she's done, what she's just yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. That like, Mar- like we're going to make it now, Marge. That's Marge's first complicit act in what's going on. She's been a passive passenger up to this point, and then suddenly she actually... Instigator. Yeah. Um, she's, for now, is every bit involved as Ruth is. 
And then the reveal, obviously, is that they're driving towards the Grand Chasm. And they have, they no, have idea. no idea. And then Homer gets on bullhorn or megaphone to be able to tell them. I, lo- I almost choked up a little bit at the, just his first line. The way Dan said Marge. Like, it had so much kind of importance and, and urgency. in like pleading. Like, in one word. Yeah, and pleading. Like, it was all of Homer's emotions wrapped up into one. It was a really great little moment. Just um, apologizing for the whole marriage up to this point. Yeah. Marge! Marge! Homer? Look, Marge, I'm sorry I haven't been a better husband. I'm sorry about the time I tried to make gravy in the bathtub. I'm sorry I used your wedding dress to wax the car. And I'm sorry, oh well, let's just say I'm sorry for the whole marriage up to this point. You're right. I am lucky to have him. That's how he gets her every time. He treats her like shit, but he just somehow, he's a wizard with words. Well, she knows that he loves him deep, deep the, down. The, sorry, yeah. that he loves her deep down. But that is the core of every abusive relationship, though. Um... Deep down, he's a great guy. I know he's a great guy. Yeah, true. Anyway, the women then slam the brakes on because they realise they go into the chasm because Homer's mentioned it to them. Mm. Homer and Wiggum, straight off. Straight off. <laughs> just don't even stop. <laughs> don't even take their foot off the accelerator. But Wiggum just keeps going. <laughs> and then you get the nice fade, which is very, like shot for shot, Thelma and Louise, is it okay? as the, of the car going off the cliff and then fade too. Like, I think it just fades to white in the movie. That's like That's the final shot is them going off the cliff. You don't see them later. Oh, the women? Yeah. Oh, they kill themselves? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Damn it. Spoiler. I'm never going to watch it. That's a pretty famous spoiler. Okay. It was virtually the poster of the movie. Okay. Uh, as we said, the big reveal is they land on the landfill. Yep. And those <laughs> environments want us to close this landfill. Yeah. Here was a joke that at first I thought I didn't like. And then Kissing I liked the ground? Yeah. But then I liked the way it came back. It's like, one of those jokes we mentioned. They're like, ew. And I, would, I, I was like, oh, yeah, that's funny. But then he was like, ooh, ooh. I'm, like, get over uh, it. I'm over that. But then when it comes back with a, ooh, <laughs> then that, this one could have that made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it had the unique ending that they don't do at all ever again, I don't think. No. The, the, the as takeoff you, of Dragnet. As you mentioned, Dragnet, yeah. Um, the voiceover, why they're going through. Is it them in front of the, um, what's the word when you're getting your yeah, mugshot like taken? The, yeah, the, well, yeah, mugshot Similar photos, basically. Kind of yeah. I love the huts. Um, A.K.A. Miguel Sanchez, A.K.A. Dr. Nguyen Vogento. He got his $8. He was glad to get it. He was glad to get it. Uh, he was M- Ruth's husband. Uh, Ruth's husband's uh, lawyer. That's the reason he lost the yeah, case. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He blamed it on his lawyer, Mr. Lionel Hutz. Yeah. Uh, Marge is then charged, we said, with the destruction of the pre- precious antique cans. And Homer is getting taken back to, what is it, the lab or something? Yeah, like the the people that did the testing on him in that little, him. little throwaway line at the beginning that they wrap up at the end. Yeah. So, final thoughts, Mitch? Yeah, look, overall, it's a really, real. It's not going to ever be remembered as one of the classic Simpsons episodes, but it's no. as polished an episode, if not more polished, than any of the ones that they've done to this point. I wonder if it's one of the better parodies they've done. Mm. If there's a listener out there that has seen the movie, Thelma Louise, let us know. Is it a very good parody of the movie? Because what, what other movies are they parodied up to this point? Citizen Kane. No, but the whole episode's based... Well, Citizen Kane, yes, obviously, Rosebud. What else? The whole episode's... Are pa- pa- Cape Fear. Cape Fear, yep. Cape Fear would be the best. They do it very often early, in the early years? Not... Der- they, didn't, they didn't adventure out many... Not, from st- not start to finish nah, episode nah, parody, nah. no. Also, too, we've got to mention the uh, the outro music was different for this. Someone asked the question a few yeah, weeks right. ago, what was their favourite... Outro alt- music. Yeah, alternative version of the mu- uh, outro music. Yeah. This one's pretty good. I like it. Okay. What do we learn, Palmer? What'd you learn from the episode, Mitch? Uh, do the opposite of what Bart says. Always. That's true. Yes. When shaving Nicola's legs, shave up, not down. Shave up, not down. <laughs> Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh! 
So now it's time for the mailbag. Mitch, what have people sent in this week? Mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. If you'd like to ask us a question, we'll answer it on the air. All right. Jackie McClintock has written in. Apparently, we made fun of her name one time on the podcast. I was about to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) What were you about to say? Well, I was going to say it's a cool name. Oh, okay. McClintock. I was going to say, well done for getting it pronounced right the first time. McClintock. I I presume that the last time I would have spoken about General McClintock. I don't even know if that was a real general, but it just sounds like a general's name. Or like a... As I mentioned before about Arnold Schwarzenegger Marathon. It's like, take a seat, McClintock. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Anyway. Um, hello, boys. Don't worry, Mitch. I'm pretentious too. Um, this has become a real running theme now, which I, uh, you know, I won't lie. I'm enjoying. How pretentious of you. Jackie's email reads, TV production and consumption is so different right now. Uh, I'm thinking about whole series being released simultaneously, Netflix originals, varying runtimes, less censorship problems when you're streaming, like on a streaming channel versus network, etc. How do we think The Simpsons might have been different if the same team from the original episodes were making it now, but for the first time, a la Netflix's F is for Family or BoJack or Horseman? Well, it's hard to say because The Simpsons, when they first came to television, were the first of its kind. They, they were the Flintstones wow. turned up. But because of shows, say, for example, South Park and Family Guy have come out now, people expect more than just a, a basic... Well, not expect more, but audiences now have the attention span of a fucking fly. And they want gag, 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 as opposed to substance. South Park rides the line really well. Family Guys, we said, we don't think does a very good job of it. Not so much on the substance, though. Lots on the gag, gag, Lots gag. on the gag, gag, gag. I don't think The Simpsons could succeed in today's... Being The Simpsons as it is, I don't think it could succeed. Yeah, now. well, the question isn't yeah. having it as how it would, is, how, how would, how would it be? It? So, for me, The Simpsons, when it came on, was a counterculture type show. Like, as you mentioned, The Flintstones. It was a send-up of The Flintstones. It was a send-up of American family value sitcoms. So, what's happened since is that what started as counterculture kind of became mainstream culture and a lot of the other shows have followed in the footsteps of The Simpsons. So let's pretend that, that that there had been another show that did the job of The Simpsons. So we're in the same cultural landscape as what we are now. So The Simpsons existed but not as The Simpsons. Yeah, like there was something else that pushed America and, you know... And that's why Family and, Guy and, and, and like that. And it is predominantly yeah. American um, culture that we're talking about here that sort of pushed them to create... Family Guy to create, South Park to create, Bojack Horseman. So all of those shows still exist. Archer, all that sort of stuff still exists. I think what would have to have happened is that The Simpsons would have found a way, like those writers that would have found a way to comment on what the American cartoon is now and present you a show that kind of appeared on the surface to be the same as those shows and then find their own unique way of... of subverting what your expectations were going to be. Now, I don't know if that could necessarily mean that they were going to go further because cartoons have gone so far anymore. So Sorry, cartoons have gone so far already. It's hard to be different. And they're all going that way, so they might have had to pull it back and go in a different direction, which would kind of almost leave them where they are now. So what my whole cycling train of thought, which was just free-form, free-floating consciousness... um, might mean that they would end up being the same and just by that, if they were brand new, they could stand out. The problem is there's just so much out there now to choose from. Mm. It's hard to stand out. Yeah. When The Simpsons came Cream out, there was no the top, other animated show on primetime. Yeah, but they, they haven't lasted this long just because they were a cartoon. Like, to, that's that's a really simplistic way of looking at the show. They've lasted this long because the writing was fantastic. For its time, 
it's it's fantastic for now. It's, it's still 20 years now. later and we're still talking about it and these episodes are still better than 99% yeah. of what's on air right now. I feel like you answered that question quite well, but I just think The Simpsons now, if it was made now, I just I can't see it being I can't see any group of writers being able to encapsulate the magic in which The Simpsons did 20 years ago. That well, look, they'd have to go one of two ways. Either they'd have to really ramp up the heartfelt side of things that they Cuz that's what no one's doing. Yeah, exactly. So they would either stand out by doing that or they would have the freedom and the ability to make what used to be shock comedy for the early 90s and drive it to an even higher level than anyone else has had the courage to go. I, f- I feel they'd go the other way. I feel like they'd go the more story-based and heartfelt because we mentioned this before, No, not many cartoons do that anymore. Every episode is just a throwaway episode mm. and nothing... It's very hard to get emotionally attached to a cartoon now. It shows in general. Yeah, a lot of t- a lot of particularly comedy, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because even on like shows like Game of Thrones and whatnot, characters are just so replaceable now. Ca- characters are made on television to be replaced now. The Simpsons was a one and done, right? Which time. is why I'll come back to The Wire as being the greatest show of all time. When someone dies on The Wire, you fucking care. It's like they died in real life. Spoiler warning: What was the moment that got to you the most? On the first go around, yeah, it was. Bubs, when the uh, when Sherrod kills himself because he realised it was his fault. Yeah, because Bubs his fault, but he found it in his suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Bubs is trying to give someone else a hot shot. Hot shot, I think it was called. He's trying to kill his friend. Yeah, trying to kill a guy that had been harassing him, and then his friend end up ends up shooting up with the stuff that he had and dies. And then just the despair in Bubs' face when he turns him in and tries to turns himself in for murder, and then hangs himself in the fucking interrogation room, and then they come back and get him down. The second go around, I reckon it's a it's a toss up between season one when they shoot the guy that they think had snitched, but he hadn't. No, I think that the guy gets hung in the in prison. Oh, oh no, the not cousin. Him. Yeah, no, that that's pretty bad. But no, like there's a young kid that didn't actually snitch. Oh, the little kid. Yeah, yeah, but he was fuck. seen with cops, and Stringer was like, "Well, he might have, so he's got to go." Yeah, they kill him anyway. And yeah. then when Bodie gets killed in season five as well, because Bodie the second time around, like you really. I've realized just how much he develops and you start to see that like he's growing up and he's got about to leave that life behind him. May or maybe he's not, but he's, you know, he realizes that there's more to life than that. And then he gets killed for talking to McNulty. Yeah. Um, they're the moments that fucked with me a fair bit. Most shocking moment for me was Omar. Oh yeah. Shocking. Well, I wasn't overly sad about that. No, no, it was just shocking. It was a perfect moment. end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Daquan in the end of season five as well, when Presbolewski's done everything he can to try and pick this kid up out of the gutter and he ends up just fucking going off to join some heroin junkies. and so probably... ruining the wife, everybody, but you know. I said spoilers. Yes. So Mitch, what's the next question for the mailbag this week? Uh, that's actually, well, I've got a fan theory that I liked. This is coming from Alexander Elliott. A theory Elliot. that you liked? Yeah. Yeah. A theory that you liked? Well, I haven't heard it presented before and off the, you know, instant... Um, my you instant wipe your ass with fan theories. Yeah, often they're full of shit, but this one actually has some merit. Right, hey guys, love the show. Have you noticed that Kirk and Luann Van Houten, Milhouse's parents, look similar? Then, in Bart Sells His Soul, incidentally another of the plain early season style plot outline episode titles, we see his grandmother and she also looks like him. This isn't a Marge's mother with the same hair deal. Their noses are also similar. Do you think that this is a sign of cousin marriage slash Milhouse's inbred? And what's the? Is that just a theory? That's the theory. There's that no proof to back it up. Millhouse is inbred. Well, that's the proof that he, both of his parents look identical. And both of his parents look identical. No, I. Well, that's just because the, that's the way that they identical. I know, but it's the character- proof. If anyone's needed, that Millhouse sucks. 
That I believe. Okay. But the, I, Homer is right to call him a little wiener kid, and Burns was right to cripple him. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Burns is coming back. There's nothing to prove that it's correct. Or I can't that it's disprove wrong. it. Yeah. Yeah. Who Sa- was that from, by the way? That was from Alexander Elliott. Thank you, Alexander, for your fan theory. Sam Fraser has written in about Lawrence Olivier. Um, after okay. I went on my little rant of pronouncing his name that I'd forgotten about until I got this email. I tuned out after when you started going off about that. I'm like, <laughs> I'll let him rant. <laughs> uh, I've been re- meaning to write in for some time now, so I thought I'd finally till- kill two birds with one stone, shed some light on the inexplicable pronunciation of Sir Lawrence's surname. Okay. I love someone that's been meaning to write in for a long time, and that's what's triggered That's what, <laughs> that's what set him off. You know what? Fuck you, Mitch. No, they're with me. Um, oh, okay. The name Olivier is of French origin, and if there's one thing I've learned as an Anglo-Canadian studying in Montreal, it's that French speakers pronounce only about six letters of their otherwise silent alphabet. As for the pronunciation of Ralph Fiennes' sur- uh, name, it's one of life's great mysteries. So thank you very much for that, Sam. I've got a... Finally for the mailbag for this week, I've got a Springfield in real life and a My Two Cents in the same email. Two different stories, but same email. Cool. This is coming from Andy. So, Andy and his friends went to a comic convention down south last year. There were five of them, two couples and a single person. The room that they had booked had two queen mattresses. There's a lot that we've got to unpack in this story, by the way. Um, so, I suggested that each couple take a bed, makes sense, while the single person sleep on the floor or in the tub. Sleep in the tub? I've done it once. Really? It was really comfortable. Is that more comfortable? Than, do yeah, you have was- to line it with things? I had a blanket folded in half on the bottom. That was my mattress, per se. Okay. And I had two pillows. It was fucking comfortable. How big I, was the tub? I, just a typical bathtub. I slept sort of sitting up, leaning back. Okay. So, it was sort of like in a recliner chair. Okay. So, you were basically sleeping as if you were just having a nice bubble bath. Not really. Like, was your head at the no, top? I was, I, was, I was laying... I was sort of looking up at the roof. I was laying okay. down that much, but I wasn't But I wasn't laying flat on my back. Okay. Now, the other thing that Andy doesn't mention here is which of the five he was. He doesn't say if he was the single person or if he was one of the couples, which means this could be a way of him dobbing in himself and he's just trying to get around it. So, <laughs> to make this fair, we decided that the four people uh, would, like four other, the four other people that getting the beds would give the person in the tub 10 bucks each to make up for the fact that they didn't get a bed. I don't, I still don't know that 40 bucks is enough for me to want to sleep in a tub. Surely there's a fucking couch or something. It's not bad. <laughs> this was fine with everyone, but one person. Instead, that one person offered to sleep in the tub himself and let the single person share a bed with his wife rather than pay any money. Fuck that. What the hell? Yeah, no one sleeps in bed with the wife. <laughs> oh, I learned that the hard way. No, I um, like look, look. I wouldn't have a nest. I wouldn't necessarily have a huge problem with like if you know fully clothed, sharing a bed, whatever. I've slept with mates before, and you know I only woke up spooning one of them. Top and tail, it's fine. Um, no, because that Seinfeld proved the the like the important parts are still lined up with top and tail so that doesn't work how <laughs> big the bed is you've just got to be grown up about it but anyway yeah wouldn't wouldn't pay 10 bucks like would rather, like that's it's like the p- most pissy indecent proposal of all time like what if i would offer you a night with my wife for 10 dollars <laughs> <laughs> jeff goldblum i'm not kidding the night would come and go but the money would last a lunchtime <laughs> Um, now the uh, the Simpsons town. So he's from Wisconsin. Andy is from Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, I looked this up to verify. There is a town called. Now I, I'm gonna guess that this is pronounced Izonia. It's spelled I X O N I A. 
Zonia, yeah. Um, now, it's a town in Jefferson County, Wisconsin. There's a population, of, as of 2010, population of 4,385. 4,000? 4, yeah. Tiny. Yeah. So, there's 4,400 people living in this town. Um, you might be sitting there thinking, hmm, Izonia, bit of a weird word. Izonia is an X, didn't you say? Yeah, but it's an X that can be pronounced, like xylophone, pronounced as a Z. Okay. Um, the town of Izonia was organised February 12, 1841, as the town of Union. Five years later, Union was divided into two new towns, much like Mansfield with its footy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like Springfield with its... Uh Upper class and lower class. Yeah. The name Izonia was given to one of the new towns on January 21st, 1846. As the residents could not otherwise agree on a name, the name was chosen by drawing letters out of a hat at random. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. <laughs> They've just plucked six letters and went, Izonia, that's our town. That really is something that Springfield would do. Yeah. More of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I've, and I've got two more things that have happened in my own life, which is why I'm cutting the mailbag at three, that... I feel, uh, well, one is a Springfield in real life. One is a Kerber enthusiasm in real life. What do you want first, Springfield or Kerb? Kerb. Okay. A few weeks ago, I had uh, my good mate, Brad um, Moles, staying. His uh, golf pro um, was competing in a tournament nearby the home, so he stayed with us for a week. I have an eight- or nine-month-old, somewhere in between eight- and nine-month-old Labrador puppy uh, as well. Now, Brad was doing quite well in the tournament. Um, on the third night of the tournament, so the final day was was coming up, Ash and I had to go out to a function and Brad sort of like just, you know, had the house to himself, put the dogs um, to sleep. But with the dogs, like there's a doggy door so they can come and go as they please throughout the night. He went to bed at about 11.30. We got home at 12 o'clock. So there's a half hour window of those dogs being unsupervised. I come home. I turn on our light where the dog, like the dog bed is in the corner of our bedroom. I see a brand new Titleist hat. Oh, no. Two pairs of shoes, mine and Ash's. And there was, um, oh, and his belt. So, his hat, belt, all in the bed. Now, the hat fairly chewed, the belt fine, the shoes fine. As I'm put, sort of putting that up, Ash has gone, oh, his glasses weren't there, were they? Because we'd uh, he'd spent like he had his glasses often resting on top of his hat. Couldn't find the glasses. Um, I'm like, uh, no, I don't think I think they were fine. The next morning, I wake up. Uh, I wander into the backyard at like six in the morning. Sitting there are a pair of Oakley like top of the line fucking Oakley sunglasses, just chewed to shit, <laughs> like so badly gone. It's <laughs> Did not you funny. Just go fuck. That's gonna be a bill. Pretty much. Just son of a bitch. Um. So I grab them now, I and then I spend the next hour just waiting to hear noise in the house. I'm like, Brad's asleep. Just I've, a little chewy. I've, it's still good. I've, it's still I've, good. I've, I've, like, I put them on to try it. Like you could, <laughs> the frames were fine, but the lenses were it still shit. Fits. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so it's like as soon as he's up, I've got to go tell him. Um, so I break it to him gently. Now here's where it gets kind of funny. He just went, ah, that's fine. I'm sponsored. Didn't cost anything. So it's like, thank Christ for that. Ash then comes down. An hour later, real, hasn't heard any of the conversation, so she's real unsure of herself in the room. She sits down, she sends me a message on Facebook Messenger. Um, did you tell Brad about the glasses? I send back, yeah, apparently they cost 600 bucks. We're going to need to go down to Torquay to get him a new pet <laughs> like before the game starts, or before his round starts. <laughs> she's just got, oh, shit. Um, dot, dot, and then, uh, then I just cracked up laughing and explained the whole thing and got slapped in the arm. Now, here's where I feel like it could be a Kirby enthusiasm story. 
because we went and watched him that day and then like for the most part it was overcast so it was no big deal but there was a bit where it came it was really really glary and he's ha- he's lining up a putt there's like 40 people surrounding the green and then he spots Ash out the corner of his eye and just gives it a could really use some sunglasses about now <laughs> just in front of everyone a lot of people are like what what was that about and then like even his caddy like so he's explained to his, to his caddy what's going on and Ash has just gone bright red it's quite funny I was thinking that how this would work in a Kirby Enthusiasm script. So I've got the golf pro staying with me. The dog chews the glasses up. He tells me that it's sponsored, so it's all fine. And then he's having a bad round on that final day. And like, it's a nice, it's a really glary sunny day. And I'm sort of there watching. And then like, you like people are like, did you get him a new pair of glasses? I'm like, he's sponsored. Like that'd be the, no, no, he's sponsored. It's okay. He's sponsored. And then like Susie would come up and be like, what the fuck, Larry? You didn't buy him his new fucking, go get him some fucking sunglasses. (laughs) They'd like, I'd take off to the pro shop and I'd, you know, be trying sunglasses on and I'd be like trying to explain what type they were and what pair they were and it'd take ages and I ended up buying this expensive pair. And then, like, it'd be the final hole and he'd be lining up a putt as I would come running up to him and just go, I got him! Just yeah. as he putts, causing him to miss. <laughs> and then everyone staring <laughs> at me, holding these glasses up in the air. Just brum, 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 That's exactly how it would go. Yeah. That would be yeah. George and Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was like the fuck. I, I played that out in my life, and that would just be so perfect. <laughs> I was thinking you could also go the angle of having the pro golfer tell you they're worth a lot of money. You get him a new pair of glasses. And it turns out they were worth 40 bucks. Yes. <laughs> yes. That would work as well. <laughs> or even if you find out that he was sponsored That's later his on. scam. Yeah. They were chewed by Already. like... A, he they, left them there. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's been staying at people's houses for the last two years. He's got a whole bag full putting, of glasses. Putting a chewed pair of glasses in the backyard. <laughs> that's something Larry would do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, something, that's, that's something George would do. Yeah. Put, no, put, no, I think that's something that Newman would do. You reckon George would go to, to his work colleagues or something? Oh, or? maybe to work colleagues. George wouldn't do it for no reason at all. George would do it out of spite, but he wouldn't just knowingly rip someone off. Oh, it depends on the George isn't is. a con man. Oh, yeah, Newman's a con man, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. yeah. Newman would do it just for pure financial gain and screw people over and be evil about it. George would only do it if someone else had wronged him. Who That, that one you depicted, mm-hmm. the, how it all unfolded, how you said, I've got him, I've got him. Yeah. Would that be a George or a Kramer moment, do you think? I just think it... Well, I, for me, it was purely Larry David. Yeah, yeah, in Curb. In Curb. But it was Seinfeld. So, no, it has to be George. And Kramer would be the caddy? I don't, I don't know if Kramer needs to be involved, does he? <laughs> Doesn't have to be. Can have so, him there if you want him. Um, I did now, like that story. That was a good story. Thank you. Now, the Springfield moment that I had, I was walking okay. my dogs uh, Sunday night, and was um, I inadvertently helped the police arrest somebody. So... Same dogs, um, both very friendly, and we're sort of walking, and both very excitable when they see anybody. So it was late at night, um, sort of like twilighty into dark. So it started at twilight, was dark by the time I'd finished. And I'm walking down a street, and I'm probably 50 metres to 100 metres down it when I sort of sense a presence of people down the end of that street walking around as well. Just and then immediately the, uncomfortable? Oh, no, it was more just like I didn't know they were there, and then they were there. I was like, oh, I... Mm. Well, it's dark, I suppose. Some, yeah. So I start sort of like tightening the leash on my, like t- tightening the lead a little bit because my dogs are very prone to want to run over to other people. Um, when they sort of start pulling to the right a little bit and start barking, and then there's like a rustle in the bushes. Oh my! And then the people up the other end of the street come running towards me. They turn out to be police officers on the trail of someone who was like fucking hiding, and oh, my really? dog started barking <laughs> and tipped them off. That's amazing. Yeah. And like, again, you, were you scared a little bit? 
Not really. Like it wasn't a threatening thing or anything. They were just how, hiding. How, how old was the person? Um, that was hiding. Uh, uh, older than me. Like he sort of looked forty-ish. Oh, so it was wasn't just like a kid or nothing. Yeah, no, it was like a proper adult. But it's like he wasn't deranged or crazed or anything. I think what's happened is he's come home, seen them out the front of his house, and he's gone, oh fuck, and sort of like tried to bail, and they're kind of looking around, and then yeah, dog barking has made them come running up, and but it. All that was missing is one of the cops to just like pat the dog on the head and just go, that's nice barking, boys. <laughs> <laughs> if a police officer said that, would that have just made your life? Oh, shit, yes. <laughs> I'd actually, I was really disappointed that they didn't say anything to me at all because they I didn't, say, didn't think you at all. No, I didn't do anything. The dog barked. But like, the, you, you know, brought these dogs. They were more focused on, focused on the job at hand, but I was really hoping that they were going to say something, at which point I was going to say, he's wanted to be in the service his whole life. <laughs> You had it ready. I did. Just just little line there. Which is pre-packed, ready it's, to it's, go. It's still ready there to be delivered. Yeah, next time. <laughs> Maybe it could be like a new thing. What, I just walk around solving Mitch crime? Murphy solving crime. <laughs> Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Alrighty, that was a good way to end the episode. Thank you. Uh, so, thanks for listening to our review of Marge on the Land. Let us know what you thought of the episode slash review. Uh, mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au Do you want to just plug Patreon before we go, Mitch? Pretty much people know the spiel by now. People know the spiel by now. You go to Patreon, subscribe, you'll get bonus content, exclusive bonus content, I should point out. Um, the Adelaide thing that I mentioned, um, I'm going to try and see if I can record that in some way. We'll pop that up on yep. Patreon as well. It should be a really interesting if, discussion. If we can get it recorded. If we can get it recorded. Do you want to know who I'm on the panel with? Yes. Um, I'll, I'll bring this up in one moment. Tickets are available. There's a link on our Facebook page. You can check it out. Link's also in the description of this podcast on iTunes. And on Podbean. And I'm pretty sure I threw it out on Twitter and it was on Patreon. Yes. Um, it's it's everywhere, basically. Are you going to go out for karaoke afterwards? I'll certainly try to find a place. If there's some listeners out there who are going to... Um, I saw Susie Pline's going to be there. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. So, you get to meet Susie for the first time. Yeah, so that'd be nice. Any so listeners in the Adelaide area, if you're willing to travel to Adelaide, my you get under- to hang out with Mitch and do some karaoke afterwards. My understanding of the night is that it's going to kick off at about six o'clock. Plenty and, of time to do karaoke. Um, <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be cheese and wine and that sort of stuff, like a little bit of nibblies. There'll be screening Cape Fear and then the discussion will run from about 6.30 to 7.30. That'd be cool, watching Cape Fear with other Simpsons fans. Yeah, it'd be nice. Um, so, But then from 7.30 onwards, I'm just free to... Free to Adelaide. 7.30, 8 o'clock, something along those lines. Plenty of time for beers and... What ca- Tons. You, you can't sing Tenacious D again. You've got to sing something else. Yeah. Well, I can only I can only go by what's on the actual chart. Okay, so Mitch Grinter, whose only qualifications are having watched quite a lot of television, is going to be on a panel alongside Professor, fucking Professor, if you don't mind, uh, Gilad Zuckerman, Professor of Linguistics and Endangered Languages, uh, <laughs> from Simpsons Four Finger Discount Podcast yeah, Mitch Grinder from <laughs> Simpsons Four Finger Discount Podcast Brackets Victoria Just to let them know that I've come in from out of town And Jennifer Stokes, UniSA Film Studies Lecturer I am so far out of my depth <laughs> like, I don't belong be I'm, going to walk, I'm going to walk in And it's just oh, the first thing I'll hear is You don't belong here <laughs> You're a fraud, you're a phony And it's only a matter of time before they find you out <laughs> So Mitch did his own personal car Yeah What was the show you were on? Was it Million Dollar Minute? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, the no, game no, no, show no. that I was on. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I can lie with the best of them. <laughs> Just talk about the Simpsons for what is it? An hour or so? Yeah, it'll be, really, be a really fun night for all Simpsons fans. So get out and check it out. Yep. When is it? March twenty seventh. March twenty seventh. Monday, March twenty seventh. Tickets are seven bucks. Seven bucks. We can't go wrong. You can't buy it's it's a for seven bucks. Yeah. And it's, an, it's a reason to hang out with Mitch. Yes. So and sure a supporting, you, you know, um, a great theatre company. Yes. So make sure you get out and check it out. So Mitch. 
They've listened to our review of Margin of the Land and listened to your stories. They know Murphy is now a crime-fighting superhero dog. They know about your thing on March 27th. What are your final words? Sunshine, lollipops and rainbows everywhere. That's what I feel It's wonderful when we're together. Four Finger Discount is brought to you today by Podbean, the podcasting app that not only allows you to record on the go, but also upload from anywhere in the world on your mobile device. The Podbean app makes it simple to get started with podcasting. No expensive equipment required. All you need is an idea and Podbean does the rest. So download the Podbean app now for your Apple or Android device and enjoy the freedom of mobile podcasting.